0: Welcome back to the EdGap Evolution Podcast. If you're new here, the EdGap Evolution Podcast is a digital community where parents, educators, and innovators flock to listen in on how people are using their lives to help children explore the vastness of education beyond the textbook so that we can close America's education cap together. Education gap. Sounded like I said education cap. I definitely said education gap <laughs> together. Um, so if that intrigues you and you're wondering, well, what in the world made you, Mariah, start a podcast um, about the education gap in America and what exactly is the education gap? Then you may want to check out episode 11. So that's two episodes back from this one, which is entitled Racial Tension in K-12 Education, Zoning, Generational Economics, and Mariah's Truth. Because on that episode, I give you the full rundown on much of my personal motivation behind starting the Egg Gap Evolution Podcast. Now, if you're a frequent flyer here and you've heard virtually every episode of the show, then you may find this episode a bit nostalgic. Because if you've listened to each episode, you know that there's one question that I ask almost every single guest. Sometimes Sometimes I change a few words in the question, depending on how the combo is flowing, but it pretty much stays the same. And that question is, what is the world taking too long to realize about the way that we educate children and how are you changing that? That's the question. So in this episode, I've clipped the answer to that question from each of the 10 guests that we've interviewed on the show so far. And I challenge you as you listen to listen closely to see if you can discover a recurring theme in each answer. And for those of you who are tuning in for the very first time, welcome, welcome, welcome! Once again, here's your chance to get a chance uh, to get a taste. Here is your chance to get a taste of each episode, so you can decide which ones you want to listen to in full. And hopefully, you decide that you want to listen to all of them. So, throughout this episode, I introduce the guest who um, is about to answer the question and briefly summarize their episode before playing the clip, so you know exactly who you're listening to, and you can make note of. Of whose full episode you may want to go back and listen to. So let's get started. So this is Emily Fleming. Um, Emily is a yoga teacher and educator in Baltimore, Maryland, currently teaching yoga and mindfulness full time at a middle school in Baltimore, where she's weaving lessons on character development into the practices that she teaches the children. What is the world taking too long to realize when it comes to the way that we educate children and and, and how are you changing that?
1: Mm. I really believe that we are taking too long to realize that there is not a one size fits all model and every student comes into a classroom every single day with different needs. And so while something may have worked yesterday for that student, it's not necessarily going to work today, right? We are all very different people every day. We have different needs and emotions and feelings. Um, And I really think that our education system needs to be focused on uh, expanding um, opportunities and also like getting out of this, you know, sitting at a desk all day, taking notes, um, writing things down, doing, you know, X, Y, and Z, all of these things that have been such a part of education for so long, not every student is going to thrive in that environment. And I think we've seen that with COVID, right? And this this switch in a lot of ways to, to virtual learning. There's a lot of students that are that are struggling in that environment. But I also have some students who are really thriving with the ability to be at home and to not have the distractions of a classroom in front of them. Um, Wow. So I I never
0: even thought about that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been really interesting to see, right. Who is, who's thriving with that model and, and who thrives in a more traditional classroom sense. And so I think creating more opportunities, um, for kids to thrive, um, in, 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 in education, uh, needs to happen and, and we have to be creative and we have to be open that that might not look like them sitting at a desk in a classroom for seven hours a day, every day.
0: Now we have Tondalaya Takapu. She is the owner of Club Lab Rascals, which is a science, technology, engineering, and math club for kids that's diversifying the field of STEM. And she's also a 19-year United States Air Force member. Um, And I should mention that the STEM club club lab rascals is a virtual community so you can do all of the stem projects virtual and then they allow you to do hands-on activities along with the virtual video instruction that kids receive um her club has guests from nasa from the weather channel um micro marine microbiologists so many cool things and all of the special guests that teach and help teach the kids about these stem skills are people of color so that is a really awesome aspect um, and here's her answer to the question. Um, what is the world taking too long to realize when it comes to the way that we educate children and how are you changing that? Oh my gosh,
2: boundaries. Um, <laughs> I feel like the world is taking so long to realize that kids don't have a ceiling. There's no boundaries there's really no such thing as, you know, we can't teach them this until they're this age or this until they're this age. Our program is K through five. We have kids from five to 11 and we're teaching them the same thing. And just based on that particular child, what they're retaining and how how far in depth they go is up to the child. Um, so we have some five year olds that if you looked at your traditional school system, they probably are on the same level as a sixth grader. And then you have, you know, some kids that, if you look at the traditional school trajectory, you know, they may be in third grade, but, you know, they're, you know, doing the reading or the, understanding the level of the third grader. Um, But I just don't personally like that we kind of, feel like learning is based off what they can remember or what they can prove to you they know. Mm -hmm. Um, I think learning is more about curiosity. So I get more excited when we do a lab and a kid tells me, you know, they come back the next day or the next lab. And they're telling me something they did after the lab to learn more about what we were talking about. So, for example, if we're going over glucose molecules. And then a kid come back like, "Yeah, I just looked up glucose versus fructose, and the molecules are different." That is learning to me. Yeah. <laughs> so learning is not like that. They memorize that glucose is the same as sugar. Um, learning is more about them being curious and how curious they could be, and that's to me how you how I measure success of lab rascals did we encourage kids to be more curious about STEM than they were when they got here versus were we able to hold their
3: attention for an hour?
0: Yes. Yes. Curiosity did not kill the cat guys.
3: Curiosity (laughs) changed the world.
0: (laughs) Now for one of my favorite episodes. I mean, I'm a bit biased by this about this one because I actually had the opportunity to interview my mother, um, for I think it was the third episode of the podcast either this yeah I think the third episode um, and my mom is actually a teacher she's a tutor summer camp developer and she just so happened to also be my teacher in many capacities growing up not only as mom but she was my first grade reading teacher in a public school in Baltimore County Maryland when my former teacher suffered a mental breakdown and couldn't return to school for the remainder of the year she stepped in and um, became the teacher for that class you know in that school she also homeschooled me and my three siblings throughout elementary middle and not me but some of them even through high school um and so here's her take on the question what is the world taking too long to realize when it comes to the way that we educate children and how are you changing that with the way that you're educating children
4: well the big one I read a book a long time ago called a mind at a time and I think um the one thing the world's behind is that everybody is different everybody learns differently. And we cannot force people into this system of how we want them to learn. We need to give kids an opportunity to learn the way they learn. And by that I mean I have a student right now. He, he loves, he's very creative. We don't have many opportunities for him to be creative. And so it's a struggle for him. But when he gets that opportunity, when he goes to art or when we create projects in which he can be creative, He outshines them all. And so I think we've got to get to that place where let kids learn how they learn. We do have the ability to do that, even in public education. We call that differentiation, right? We say, you know, everybody's solid, but we don't really do it. Yeah. We don't. We don't scaffold like we say we can. Like, you know, you know how a scaffold is. We say all these things, we have all this, you know, teacher language. But when it comes down to actually doing it, we don't. And everybody's different. Jeremiah proved it that, yes, he learns differently. I mean, we let him go and do the things that he likes to do. He will go and research on his own. Yeah.
0: He would,
4: this boy knew more about dinosaurs than any paleontologist that walked the earth. Exactly. And he sure did that is. on his own.
0: Yeah. Because that and- was his passion right now we're hearing from brian to brian is actually hailing from toronto canada where he lives and runs the industry-leading cannabis job search engine company in north america called careers cannabis and in this episode which is episode number six we get into why brian founded the company um and we also talk about hit the new children's book that he recently released called kids of cannabis um We also talk about Brian's personal story and how he encountered cannabis at age 13 and and what he did and what happened when that happened. Um, But what's most exciting for what we're doing here on the podcast is Brian's children's book, Kids of Cannabis, because the book is helping society put an end to cannabis stigma so that children can start to um, explore and look into the benefits of using the cannabis plant beyond recreational use. So here is Brian's response to the question. And so I want to zoom out a bit and get your opinion on, um, on education. So what is the world taking too long to realize when it comes to the way that we educate children and how are you changing that?
5: That's a great question. Um, you know, I think we're, we're doing a small part and, you know, we're, I think one of the things that I've seen has a potential gap in education is, uh, having that conversation about jobs and careers needs to happen so much earlier uh, I think in uh, in a child's development and and it's it's too easy to kind of relegate it to oh I want to be a fireman I want to be a policeman I want to be you know these are just they the very surface level in the sense that it's easy for a child to say that's what I want to be that that's what they're exposed to mm-hmm. and I think really what we wanted what we need to do as a society especially in some of these uh, where we have you know, underrepresentation of certain individuals in 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 in, 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 in our economy uh, is really starting to educate really early on the type of jobs and careers that can exist and the things that people can do with their life. Uh, I think it's that important. That you know, I've I've interviewed so many people that come out of university and have no clue; they have absolutely no clue. And and you know, as soon as you graduate and like you should be ready, you know, you should have been ready, probably even, you know, two years before you graduated, but, you know, people are walking out, and they're still trying to figure out life, and then I think that's just, it's a shame, because I think, um, if I think back, you know, when I was younger, I would have loved to have been exposed to some of the things that I'm now exposed to, uh, because maybe I would have chosen a different path from a career standpoint, Um, and I think that's probably the same with a lot of folks, um, and I think that's one thing that I think I would love to be part of, you know, helping us just redefine how education, how we educate our kids in preparing them for real life.
0: So in episode number seven, we're speaking with Tony Lawson. Um, Tony's the founder of an organization called the B-Org. It's a nonprofit based in Baltimore, Maryland that encourages and nurtures youth to live above socially imposed limitations and to develop their character, talents and leadership skills, which allows them to go beyond a dream and achieve remarkable excellence. And in, um the episode that you'll hear, hear a clip of now, we dive into the good work happening at the B-Org. So here's Tony's take on the question. What do you think the world has taken too long to realize when it comes to the way that we educate children? And how are you changing that?
6: Oh, my goodness. That students learn differently. Um, and you have to be able to speak to the different learning styles of students in order to um, in order to really help them excel. All students are not auditory learners. All students are not visual learners. All students are not, you know, kinesthetic learners. But all students cannot learn sitting down, right? And so even with this virtual um, learning that we have going on, we've seen that there are some students that learn better at home, in front of the computer, where they're not distracted by everything else in the classroom. And so I think that the education system is going to have to do more to accommodate different learning styles, um, to customize learning styles for um, our students. One, you know, it's not a one size fits all. Um, and so I think they need to take a better look at that. Um, so that our students can really excel the way they, um, the way that we know that they can.
0: So um, the clip you're about to hear next is from one, actually the most popular episode um, on the podcast ever. It flew off the shelves the first week and continues to get so many downloads and in that episode I interviewed Susana Reyes she's a dynamic educator in Baltimore, Maryland where she not only teaches kindergarten at a charter school but she also honors her Latinx roots by bridging communication for children and families who may speak English as a second language or not at all. Susana is a community oriented artist and a mom who offers exceptional insight on how to step into the role of an educator and breathe new life and ideas into any learning space even if you never considered yourself to be a teacher Um, in this episode we talk about all sorts of things like motherhood teaching during the pandemic um, managing mental health and mental wellness as a teacher and as a mom and as so many other things and so here is Susanna's take on the question what is the world taking too long to realize about the way that we view the role of a teacher? You know, how what we think of a teacher to be and how are you changing that?
7: Well, first of all, we don't get paid enough. Everybody knows that. Um, yeah, yeah. That's no secret. <laughs> That's no secret. Um, but I don't know. I, th- I think we're just taking too long to realize that it's we're, we're going to lose good teachers if we continue to ignore the fact that we need more teachers and we need better pay and we need just a change to happen in the kind of recognition that we do get from, um, from the outside world. Like, you know, we're living in this scholarly bu- bubble and people that don't realize how hard our job actually is, um, they don't get to i don't know they they just they're they they do not understand i mean if you're a po- politician and you're trying to understand the life and the mind of a teacher it's going to be super hard for you to want to give up extra money for somebody like that because you don't understand what it's like you get great pay and you know you're doing a different job right, exactly and i
0: mean We've heard it from you, you know, some people may have known it already, but we've really heard a lot from you during this interview, all of the work, <laughs> all of mm-hmm. the work and, and not only the technical <laughs> or tactical work, but the emotional work. I mean, to care about someone else's child and not just one, but multiple, you know,
7: 20 24, 24 year
0: after year. I mean, I can't even imagine how many students a teacher who's worked 10, 20 years has met over their lifetime. Um, and so to put that level of care into a human being who you did not birth is very special. And so um, if there's anyone <laughs> listening who has not, you know, thought about advocating for your teachers, better pay, just just more knowledge around what the profession is, what teachers do and how they're compensated for it. I suggest like that might be something that we can all start looking into and getting behind our teachers, because when teachers are taken care of, children are better taken care of. Absolutely. Absolutely. So- so Susana Reyes episode was episode 8 and this next episode is actually episode 10. Um in episode 10 we hear from Angela Panaglia. Angela is actually a cinematographer, educator and producer um who produces unforgettable films for small businesses and nonprofits like the National Center for Learning Disabilities, Young Adults Leadership Council and even the World Bank, to name a few. Angela's most recent work was a, is, a feature-length documentary about the seldomly broadcasted sport of synchronized skating. Um, and the film features incredible women who will stop at nothing to make synchronized skating an Olympic sport. So you might want to check that out, too, because I honestly never paid attention to synchronized skating until I heard about this documentary. And it's actually some pretty cool facts based off of what I've um, seen from the clip so far. But anyway, Angela's enthusiasm for storytelling is quite frankly contagious, and um, it was really exciting to interview her and to hear how documentary and filmmaking and art in general, one, keeps the world running and how we can use it to help teens express themselves and to get the creative juices flowing that they need flowing in order to become explorers, thinkers, and problem solvers. Now, I didn't explicitly or directly ask Angela the question that I ask most people on the podcast, um, but our conversation kind of led us in that direction anyway. And so here's a clip um, of her giving her take on um, a similar topic that we were talking about throughout her episode. Enjoy.
3: The ability to think critically and to bring information together and form new ideas, like that type of higher level thinking that art allows. And I think this is allowed in many, in all disciplines, really, right? But I think art, sometimes you don't think about that. And if I could just talk about my my film, Life in Synchro, uh, which is about synchronized skating, which I, you know, initially had no interest in the sport, um, which is why it took me so many years to actually even see it after I'd heard about it. But in the making that film, that was the hardest project i would ever worked on. I had never used my brain like I used it. And I never thought it was going to be as difficult as it was. And honestly, I think I probably got a few points, like a few IQ points smarter <laughs> making that movie <laughs> because it just required your brain to work in such a different way. And I think sometimes we think that, yes, there's like broke artists on the corner, but you know what? you talk to artists and they're oh, so smart. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you think about any conversation you ever had with an artist and, you know, and I think I want to go back to say that everyone is an artist, no matter what discipline you work in, because everyone's creating new things, right? Like I, I don't want to just like to exclude other people because sometimes that bothers me a little bit. Um, It's just, you know, it really is, using your brain in new and creative ways. And I think parents, whether you know, your kid is actually going to become like a famous painter or a famous writer, it doesn't matter. Just give them the avenue to experiment. Because in that experimentation is where there's a lot of growth. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: Yes, that might not the thing that they do for art might not necessarily be the thing they end up doing forever. But it was it was a part of their journey to getting what they might ultimately want to do. Exactly. The episode right before the one you're listening to now. Um, we interview Rachel Armu. So Rachel, um, we've been for internet friends since 2015. And um, I've always looked at her posts for mouth-watering recipes, um, inspiration. She's a fitness advocate. She's definitely dedicated to her workout and her healthy eating. Um, and she gives a sort of health and wellness advice that you're just not going to find anywhere else on the internet, like on these mainstream blogs. Rachel is in a totally different stratosphere than everybody else. Her approach to raising a whole and healthy family is special as she prioritizes eating vegan for the most part, not only for herself, but for her family. Um, Rachel is a wife and mom. Um, She has two children, and I was very grateful to have been able to interview her and get her wisdom out to you all on the podcast um, just to introduce more children and families to different eating lifestyles that maybe um, benefit their health or your health or your community's health better than um, how you may be eating now or maybe you're already eating healthy and prioritizing your wellness you just want some tips and tricks or someone else's take so um here is Rachel's take on that question we could zoom out a bit I'm wondering what do you think the world is taking too long to realize when it comes to the way that we feed our children and how are you changing that
1: Ooh,
8: to well, I would, I don't know if I would say that it's really a world issue, honestly. And this kind of like the light bulb has been on for me. Like, I guess since we're not a traditional, like American family, my kids eat majority of the food that they eat is going to eat. So honestly, I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> They're pretty spoiled when it comes to like aunties making them jollof rice and things like that. So I think I don't think of it as like a world issue. I think it's a U.S. issue. Um, After traveling abroad and coming back and realizing the difference is like, they don't have all this, like everything in the U.S., like we teach our kids is like right now, like instant gratification. So it's like, you got the microwave, oh, I got this TV dinner, I want mm-hmm. macaroni and cheese right now, I'm going to boil this and pour the powder in and then that's going to be like, I can't wait. And I can't prepare, I don't have time to look at ingredients, I don't have time to it's like, everything is like, bam, 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 bam. bam. So I think that we're definitely messing up there. Whereas, you know, when you travel abroad, it's like they're they're eating rice and beans, like their fast food is rice and beans. And then you get like grilled fish. That's yeah. that is their fast food. Their fast like. food is like they don't, they're not going to KFC. They're not going to McDonald's. They're not going to Wendy's. They're not even at the restaurants you sit down at. It's like the auntie that prepared your food. Like it's not, you know what I'm saying? It's different. Right. (laughs) Um, And um, everything goes through so much process here. Everything is what I can get right now. I don't care if I have to compromise, you know, whatever the manufacturer is to get more out so that they make more money, the companies. And then it's not like healthy eating habit isn't always it's not really the foundation as much as it's like after the fact that you're sick and you become like a patron of big pharma which is a whole nother conversation
1: mm-hmm. um
8: I don't think that really the goal here for the majority of the people is for you to start out right so that you don't need to get on the meditations yeah yeah okay. so um how I decide like like I said, like I had that light bulb moment with myself. Like I wanted to take back control of my family. Like I wanted to be changed. Yeah. It's very much like a rebellion through nutrition movement in my house. So I'm like, no, we will not, like, we are not going to be the statistics. We're not going to be part of the statistics. I don't care if, you know, grandma was diabetic and this person was diabetic. they had heart disease, like we're done. So
0: Yeah. (laughs) For episode number nine, we interviewed Udit Agarwal and Udit is the founder and program director of Next Wave STEM, which is a company that creates educational experiences using emergent using emerging technologies to ignite a passion um, for learning that leads to improved academic outcomes and opens up new opportunities post high school and throughout one's career. Um, Udit's actually hailing from Chicago, Illinois, but his story begins in India where he was born and raised until he moved to the U.S. with his family as a teen. And in this episode, we jump into Udit's story for just a bit, but we mainly focus on the different programs and courses um, that his curriculum offers in over 200 schools across America and we talk about um, how STEM education for children influences the U.S. and the world economy in the future and how what Udit is doing is preparing today's children for tomorrow's job market which we're actually meeting now. We're seeing a big change in the job market especially after the pandemic and even before then. Um, So here's Udit's take on that question. We know as far as tech and energy and things like that, it's the future and the future is now. So what do you foresee the U.S. or global job market looking like in even, say, maybe 10 to 15 years? And how is Next Wave preparing students for that?
5: Yeah, I think the way we do things is changing and it's changing even faster because of the pandemic. And uh, the skills that we teach early on is going to help students prepare for these for how uh, things are changing and uh, how we're adapting to new technologies the new way of doing things that's going to be really important so um, and part of it you know uh, we tackle this in our program is we provide um, these different experiences that make students go through different uh, lessons and activities that help students start to think that way and you know Um, help them better prepare for uh, what's, uh, you know, whether if it's a real world or, you know, it it could be professional and personal.
0: Yeah. I, I was talking to someone the other day, um, About the different job titles that are out here. I know a lot of folks, especially after the pandemic, had to either try and find new jobs during the pandemic or, you know, jobs are now opening up a bit more. So they're searching for new jobs now. And from both the recruiter perspective and the applicant perspective, a lot of there's a disconnect between um, the skills needed and the skills that people are bringing to the table and also the job titles that people are looking for versus what job titles actually are now. And I, I find it really interesting because it's it's clear that the skills that are being sought out and the job titles that are available are just not even the same as they were five years ago. And so um, I think you know that's why the work that you're doing here is so important. And I'm glad that... Um, how, how many districts are you in now? School districts?
6: We work with over 200 schools.
0: Okay, work with over 200 schools. That's awesome. So I'm glad that over 200 schools are, you know, you're helping equip these kids with the skills that they're clearly going to need pretty soon. Yes. And last but certainly not least, um, here's a clip from original writer so reg and i actually worked at the same ed tech company for about three years and like i said in the episode you'll hear in the intro i had no idea that we would ever reconnect due to the great work that reg is doing for students and families through his coaching business called thriving life coaching and the episode would get into the way that um reg coaches high school graduates and um Emerging college freshmen and even folks, you know, a little bit further into the educational future. Um, But we talk about how he's helping to um get students where they need to go in their college experience versus, you know, students just showing up in college having no clue what they're going to do. Um, and then kind of just wasting or just not giving the fullest experience out of the college experience reg is a first generation college um, student and college grad and so um, we really dive into how he um, is putting his life on display using his life experiences to like I said equip recent high school graduate and college students everywhere with the necessary support for reaching their fullest potential and extracting the most value out of the college experience and I chose to end this episode with this clip from Reg because you'll hear it yourself. He really um, dives into um, what this podcast is really all about. And uh, throughout the clips that you've heard and throughout the episodes that you'll hear everyone on this podcast does. Um, but I, I think that this is a really nice way. The way Reg put it, um, he is actually in a two part episode. So episodes four through five are Reg's episodes. Um, we had a very long conversation. <laughs> so definitely break it up if you're going to listen. Um, but I, I would love to end this particular episode with this clip from Reg won't spoil it for you you'll definitely see why thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this montage (laughs) of advice um, and answers from the excellent guests that we've had on the podcast and I hope that you um, have found some different clips that really pique your interest and that you go back and listen to the full versions of those episodes and maybe even share ones that you really enjoy with some people in your life that you really enjoy with your community, with your friends, um, with your social media networks so that we can get the word out to more people about the great things that are happening for children and that are available to children and families <laughs> in the world of innovative education. Um, because, you know, it's our responsibility as adults to help children Get the resources, get the knowledge, and get the things that they need to build a better future for themselves and for the world. Thank you so much for listening and embrace the evolution, y'all.
9: Coaching services that I provide, you know, maybe at the end of a academic year are like a fresh pair of Nikes. But what I'm giving you won't wear out. And what I'm giving you uh, won't get stained, mm-hmm. and what I'm giving you will actually gain in value versus those Nikes. Because yeah, they cost fifteen or twenty to make; they may cost you three or four hundred to, to buy. But you know, a rainy day, a muddy day, a snowy day, and they're ruined. And then what do you do? So I, I would rather you know them be partnered with me in the way of making an investment in themselves than I would be for them to be in a position where. You know, they're no longer in a position to thrive. Now they're just trying to survive. So, you know, think of survival as like being out in the middle of nowhere with a windbreaker on in a blizzard. You know, you're not gonna make it.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. I like that fresh pair of Nikes analogy. That was nice. Um
9: <laughs> because so- you know and, and, you know, and and I understand that we're you know, we're we're all consumers in one respect or another. Yeah. But what if we become a consumer in You know, an investment like you know, uh, you know, uh, a student or your child or you know someone who wants to you know change the world in whatever shape, form, or fashion that that may mean. Maybe it's you know, maybe they start their own business. Maybe they you know find the cure for cancer. Maybe they you know can stop the uh, process of global warming or or anything else that may be out there that they want to do. You know, I think once you know your why you know, why you're doing something, why you're motivated to be in that position, you know, nothing should stop you. And, you know, if you've been given the chance and opportunity and the resources to do something, you know, take full advantage of it.